Do your surroundings and your wardrobe reflect who you are or how you want people to perceive you? Are those two different people? This week, we draw a parallel between figuring out who you are and decorating your place. Some people put on a whole persona at once, and some people acquire one piece at a time. As always, we have opinions. Plus, we careen towards the end of the Year of the Saints with a rather explosive segment about St. Barbara. necessarily something I should be ashamed of, but I know that this is something that I've I've made catty remarks in the past at other like okay, I'll just I've made remarks towards uh other women and it's it's never it's never this particular fashion item uh-huh. that is the offending thing. It's just that this fashion item is a common denominator among a certain group of women, and so I make a mention of it. Okay. And that is, you know, oh, you and your stretch capris. Oh, yes. You know, oh, who do you think you are with your stretch <laughs> yes. capris? So, I really... Okay, so... I mean, you know me, I love, I love layers, especially, you know, I don't, I don't want to own like say winter clothing or whatever. And you know that I don't, I don't want to put on say, you know, pantyhose or something, but I, I enjoy a skirt. I enjoy a dress and a pair of boots or whatever, but it makes more sense to me to wear say athletic leggings under a dress with a pair of, you know, riding boots or something. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to, like, wearing tights. Because why wouldn't I just wear athletic leggings? Um, because it's warmer. If the whole point is keeping my legs warm. But in recent years, um, sometimes, you know, you buy a pair of leggings and they're not as long as you think they are. And, you know, buying clothes online. I don't know how this started, but I bought a pair of leggings that ended up being capri length. Mm-hmm. And when I put them on, something about them spoke to me. Like, it felt like in a fashionable sort of way, even just sitting around my house, like I felt cuter in them like somehow they were special as opposed to like just the regular leggings or regular little black knit pants that I might wear around the house and then before I knew it I think I now own like maybe a half dozen pair of stretch capris in various colors I think two or three of them might be black but like right now I'm wearing like some olive green pocketed 
kind of yoga pants style, uh-huh. but still capri length. Um, I mean, I'm not going to be ashamed of that. I mean, I'm a fat woman in stretch capris. <laughs> but still, though, I'm, you know. But that seems to be the, that seems to be the norm, right? <laughs> I know, but the thing is, but I'm also, I should point out, I'm also wearing a little camisole. Like, I'm also, yeah. most fat women in stretch capris would be wearing an enormous t-shirt because that that probably hangs down over her ass because she thinks that covering her ass somehow makes people think she's not fat. Yeah, or an oversized sweater with a weird print on it. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe with some bedazzling or, yes. or you know, with like the word Jesus in rhinestones oh, or something. You know, I am wearing, you know, a spaghetti strapped camisole that is skin tight. And my stretch capris on a day when a cold front is blowing in and it's about to get freezing fucking cold here. I was but... just going to say, isn't it getting down to like the 30s and you're dressed like it's in like the 90s? Yes, but I'm also not leaving my house. But, well, you know, true. I'm not going outside. Um, you know, and I own, I own cardigans. I can throw on a cardigan if I have to go outside. I have socks on, you know, I'm not, I'm not freezing. But that's the thing, you know, it's like, I, I think like my... My fashion sense has always been, fuck you, I like it. Mm -hmm. Like, that has been my style my whole life. And I kind of, even, you know, even when I was a teenager and it was, you know, the 80s and the 80s had their their own style, I mean, I picked up the pieces of it that I liked, but then I took it to what whatever extremes felt right to me. Like other people were wearing like say oversized camp shirts, but I kind of looked at say someone like boy George, who was wearing like shirts that were so enormous. They were basically dresses. Mm -hmm. And I took that idea and I would go into say the swimsuit cover up section and see a shirt that was basically a cover up, like a button up shirt in like a madras plaid, but it was fucking enormous because it was a, a swimsuit cover up and yeah. I'm like, well, as far as I'm concerned, that's a shirt and no one can tell me it's not. And I would wear that over a pair of jeans and a tank top yeah. and I'd wear it to school. And that was my style because fuck you. I remember world market back when it was cost plus right in the eighties. And this was the, what this is what, when I worked at Walden books was, the reference to me. Dear Walden Books. The reference to me in the official dress code that was rewritten by the district manager that said drag never. Right. Because, <laughs> and I was not in drag, but Cost Plus used to have probably these knee length button up. I guess they were shirts. I don't know what they really were, but they're these button up things from India. Oh, yeah. And it was, they were like gold, you know, they had like gold in them and patterns. And I thought they were really cool. They were very, that was 
Cos Plus was where you would and go for I anything would, cool and Asian. Yeah, I would wear those. It was like an Asian import store. You know, I'd wear those with some baggy pants and like espadrilles or something at work. Like little cute and little it Chinese had a slippers. Oh my god. But um but yeah, that was responsible for <laughs> for that. And now looking back on it, I was never like a huge culture club fan. Although I right. did have a Boy George t-shirt that was really cool because it was like a painting of Boy George. Yeah. That I was quite fond of that shirt. But I think me buying those shirts was sort of modeled after Boy George because I liked his look. His look was magnificent. I mean, his look, yeah. his look influenced me probably more than almost anything. Oh, my God. And would I wear that now? Oh, hell no. But I thought I was just the coolest thing in the world back then. Well, you know, and it's it's like, I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about, like, you know, and of course back, you know, back then, I mean, I, you know, part of my, part of my self-esteem issues uh, is affected by, you know, I got a lot of, shall we say, feedback from my father. And it was, oh. most of it was very uh passive aggressive like the leaving of booklets on my bed that were about like how to do hair and makeup and things like that that oh are like my god really you that are like the most that. 80s time capsule things imaginable and they're i mean they're horrifying to look at now although one of them is something I just love to look at now because it's the old book Always Ask a Man by Arlene Dahl, which is oh utterly, utterly an offensive thing to give your daughter. Yeah. Uh, but we won't really go into that. But, you know, basically I was constantly being given the message that whatever it was I was doing, it was wrong. What, and... did he want you to have, like, big bangs like your sister? Oh, God. Like, <laughs> you know, whatever, what, however I looked, no matter what I did... It was wrong. It was never going to be, it was never going to be acceptable. And I was never going to get a boyfriend. I was never, you know, I was never going to be right, no matter how hard I tried. And so, you know, I just basically, it just made me want to be weirder. Mm -hmm. Which, despite my complete lack of self-esteem, there was this trigger in me that just amplified the fuck you. And so my attitude has always been fuck you in my look. Uh -huh. And that sort of affected the way I've dressed my entire life. Like whatever, you know, I've, I have, if there's ever been like a dress code, I've followed it only to the extent that I had to. And then oh, I've done everything. Too. And then I've, and then I've done everything to, to not follow it, you know? Yeah, back when, you know, we had stricter dress codes back in the 80s and the mid-early 90s, yeah. I would, I mean, I would do whatever it took just to break it just a little bit. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, like, you know, the, the, main, the main job I had that had a strict dress code was when I worked at Mervyn's, and... You know, women, when I started there, women had to, I mean, we were supposed to wear dresses and skirts uh -huh. and we were supposed to wear pantyhose with it. And 
but w- women could wear pants. So the fact that women could wear pants, and if we wore pants, we were supposed to wear hose under our pants. But I just wore boots with my pants all the time. So there was no way, even if they wanted to check to see if I was wearing hose, they couldn't because I would have to pull my pants all the way up over the top of my boots for them to see. And that wouldn't be possible. So they would never know that I wasn't wearing hose under my pants. Does anybody even wear hose anymore? I'm sure someone does. I mean, they still sell it. Yeah, but it's very, it's not like it was. We're just, but the thing is that tights like pattern tights and stuff have come back. Oh, that's true. And they're actually better made and they're, you know, I, I don't think it's traditional, you know, control top pantyhose kind of bullshit, but yeah. I, you know, like in the olden days, I don't, I don't know if they still make legs or, you know, they do, they do we make sell legs. them, we sell them and they still come in the eggs. They come in the eggs. Oh my God. <laughs> what was the other one? Was it called, um. I keep wanting to call it underoos, but underoos was the underwear that had like Wonder Woman on it. Oh yeah. What was the? It was a um, the package of the pantyhose had like a butt, like the shape of a butt. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And then on the on the commercial, they would show the package, and the butt would go dink dink. Because I remember that working at Ross for all those years. Oh yeah, God damn it. Oh, you know, and when I worked at Ross, you know, there was like. We had to wear, you know, slacks and a tie. Working at fucking Ross. Not like that there now. I mean, when I've gone in to observe. But what I used to do, I would go to thrift stores and I would buy the ugliest, like old, most like outrageous, slacks? like 60s and 70s shirts. Right. And I would wear those with outlandish ties, and they didn't say anything about hair, so I would always have, like, these, the craziest haircuts. Of course you did. Just to get out of the shirt and tie thing, because I was not a shirt and tie kind of guy. Right. I'm still not. I mean, I could do it now if I had to, but yeah, not so much. But that was how I got around that, and they didn't say a word. They were just like, oh. <laughs> I love the smell of movies in the morning. There's no feeling in podcasts. There's no feeling in podcasts. This podcast will be quite operational when your friends subscribe. Feels. Real feels. Not the feels. Not the feels. Out of all the podcasts I've encountered, Real Feels was the most human. Hey, it's Drew. And Nathan. And Jack. Hey guys, and we're the Real Feels Podcast. We come to you every other Wednesday with a brand new movie of a different genre every single time. So make sure to catch us on iTunes, Podbean, and any other podcatcher out there. You're the realist. And the feelist. Come to Yeha! <laughs> you know what, what's so weird now? And I think some of it... Actually, no, I shouldn't say some of it. I know that it's because of social media. I know it is because with social media, people have more of a persona than they had when we were growing up. You know, like we had, you know, there's there's the you when you're alone at home and then there's the 
the you know the drag you put on to go out in public. Oh yeah. You know? But there's also now there's the what do I want to present to myself in my social media? Like how, what what do I want people to think my life is like? You know that what bullshit do I want to present? And the word aesthetic has become a real thing. Oh and yeah. I swear, I, I've started really noticing, and this I'm sure this has been going on for a long time, but what I'm noticing is that there are, there are people like on Etsy, and there are even, every so often I'll see something say, even, God, even, even on Amazon, like there are people whose job it is or who have like a store where they will help you with your aesthetic. Like, Oh, I know. Like, like I, I saw a store on Etsy where someone will sell, will sell you like a bundle of items. Like if you're like, okay, so let's if if your aesthetic is bohemian or academic, or witchy, oh, or yeah. whatever. I've seen and it's that like, kind of stuff. I will send you a bundle of five items or a dozen items, and it's like you don't even know what's in it. It's like it's like you're getting a it's like you're getting a a a, a surprise box. I know, but, but it's if you're getting like, it, you know, from someone online that they know, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's going to be the image that you want. And but I think the, yeah, but the idea is, gross. if you if you consider yourself, I want to present myself as an academic. Like if I'm go, if I'm have a new apartment and I don't have. I want people to think of me as an academic, so I need stuff that's academic stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I I need to, I need academic stuff. So I'm gonna go to this Etsy person and give her fifty bucks, and she's gonna send me a box of academic stuff, and I don't even know what it is. But when I open it. I'm going to be able to put tchotchkes on my shelf and then anyone who comes over to my apartment, they're going to know I'm an academic because oh. there's a framed picture of a beetle of a, like a scarab yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know, a page out of the dictionary oh, with a print so with a print of an ampersand on it or whatever. Like, I, I don't know, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> and I, and I'm, and part of me is thinking, Jesus, I've gone into the wrong business because I could fucking do that for people. But on the other hand, I don't want to. I don't want to because I think everyone should get their own shit. Like, I know it's so lame. I mean, how it's like, I understand like if you're like doing set dressing for a movie and you need stuff that is what this shit is for. If you're trying to decorate your own apartment, get, acquire things over time that you like. Don't just buy shit to fill up space. My God, allow yourself to sit in an empty room for a minute. It's actually okay. To a lot of young people now, what they like doesn't matter because their whole life is a set. 
Oh my god, can you Because imagine? it's all about TikTok and Insta. And all about these images and it's really gross. It makes me it makes me sad. Like it makes like but like yeah, the it's thing like is like I mean, when I think sex. about myself when I was young, like six months like if you if you got me in February and then you got me, you know, like in August I might be interested in something completely different. Like, the core of who I am is the same person. But, like, the album I'm obsessed with is completely different. But it's not like I have to redecorate my bedroom because of it. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, my bedroom... There wasn't a square inch of my wall that was of my walls that weren't completely covered in something yeah. when I was a teenager. Like I, you know, I had tiny things shoved into every square inch, you know, because I didn't want to look in any direction and not be inspired by what, you know, it's like, you know, I had where I had boy, boy George over here and David Bowie over there. And, you know, it's like I had all this beauty around me in every direction. And it was like, but then when I, but even with all that around me, when I got more into like folk music, it's not like I tore all that shit down. Yeah, because it's still a part of you. Yeah, it's like my aesthetic didn't change just because I, I found myself listening to a lot of Arlo Guthrie. Oh, yeah. I still listened to the Monkees and I still listened to Culture Club. It's like I was still the same person. Just because I suddenly found myself for a couple of years listening to way too many songs about like mining disasters and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, which sent me down a weird path. But still, you know, I just, it's so. God, I'm just so glad social media didn't exist back then because I really think it would have fucked up oh, my brain. Oh, God. Could you imagine? You know, it's like when you were talking about the people, you know, selling the kits that you can like set, you know, put yourself off as this, that, or the other. Yeah. It reminded me of, you remember when I used to live with Ben, Benny? Yeah. Um, so I remember... Who has excellent taste and, yes. who, and who now who now works in the most magnificent oh, yeah. resale shop of, like, beautiful vintage items. Oh, yeah. But you remember Benny's ex, the one who fucked your hair up? Of course I do. I hate that motherfucker. Yeah. Well, I stumbled across his Facebook. <gasps> um, Does he look know, stupid? A couple weeks ago. He doesn't now, but what I'm going to say is he had some posted some pictures of him and Benny and some of their other, you know, all those hipster friends that they had that oh I God. never really got along with. Oh, my God. And I looked at those pictures and I was like, oh, my God, they looked so stupid. Oh my god. They dressed stupid, their hair was stupid. That motherfucker. The music they listened to was stupid. I mean, everything about all those hipster faggots uh, in the early 2000s in Austin, they were so stupid and they were all drug addicts and they were all... Yes. But anyway, I'm not... The, the reason I'm bringing this up, if you remember, like, sometimes... Benny, I would go to parties and stuff with Benny. Mm -hmm. And because I don't fit in with that hipster crowd, because I never liked any of those people. And they were all 10 years younger than me. So why, you know what I mean? Oh God. Yeah. But Ben would dress me up. Right. 
to make me look like him. And it was so weird, and I never felt like cute or authentic. I just felt like stupid. Because right. it was so not me to wear red plaid pants and oh god, a too tight shirt that didn't match with the tie. You know what I mean? I mean, whatever the fuck it was. Oh my god. And when I saw those pictures, I was like, oh my god, I remember Ben used to dress me up like this. Like, like that. Go, yeah. So I could go hang out with these assholes because oh that was the, it was all it was all about the image and heaven forbid that I should not be in that image to be seen with them at this party or whatever. Oh my know? god! Do you remember the one time? Okay, before I before I tell the, the the one time that we went to a party. It was a party with him, and I remember specifically because he had moved into a place that was near. Near the old duplex, like down the street, in that no, in that neighborhood, oh. and I remember it was an Easter party because I remember. Oh, I do remember that. We, yes. Because we crucified a stuffed rabbit to That's the wall. That's right. We I nailed, do remember that. We nailed a stuffed bunny rabbit to the wall like Jesus. Oh yeah, I do remember. And then that. and then we made a crown of thorns out of twigs from the yard. From oh, the and now it doesn't so get more fun. more hipster than that. <laughs> that was. That was the night that that was the first time I ever did jello shots. That was the night that I tested a theory that if I never sat down, that if I stayed standing all night, that I would never feel drunk. And it was true. I I had so many jello shots that night. And I actually because that's because when I sit down, if I sit down when I drink, I don't realize I'm drunk until I try to stand up and yeah. then I drink too much. I stayed standing all night and I never got too drunk. That night also, so many things happened that night. That was the night that that asshole and I had the conversation about cutting my hair. Because that was when I still had the long hair. And that was the oh. night that he and I, that I agreed to let him cut my hair for the first time. Okay. And he didn't, and so like a week later was when I went to the beauty school and he cut my hair for the first time. Okay, and you were happy with it for the first couple times he did. Oh no, it. I was I was happy with it for over a year until oh, yeah? the day that he gave me a mullet in two thousand seven. Oh god! And I really want people to understand that he gave me a mullet against my will. Yeah. Don't ever let someone cut your hair if there's not a mirror in front of you, because sometimes they'll just think that they can just do whatever the fuck they want. Oh, and I remember Benny was pissed. Oh, and my Benny, God. He was so... Oh, yeah. Benny, I remember, told him off. Yes, he did. Right after and I left. And he was like, well, I think I know a little bit more about style than she does. That's right. Yes. And how fucking dare he? <laughs> you fucking hipster son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and the other weird thing that happened at that party was standing in the kitchen. I was talking to a guy, and, he, and this guy and I... We, we saw each other and we instantly were like, I know you from somewhere and I don't know where. And we had this really long conversation, like listing all kinds of, do you know this person? Do you know that person? We could not figure it out. And it took like 30 minutes to realize that we knew each other from working at Mervyn's. And oh. once we realized, once we realized that that's where I knew him from... That was when I realized, oh my God, you've seen my tits. Because, <laughs> because he was one of the people that when I worked at that Mervyn's, one of my coworkers was a photography student at St. Ed's University. Uh. And she 
she was doing a series of photos for her senior year exhibition thing. And one of her models had backed out on her and I agreed to be her model. Do you remember the nude photos of me that were on, that were, that were on display at St. Ed's? That's right. I do remember that. They were black and white, right? They were beautiful black and white. There were, there were two black and white photos of me. I totally remember that. Yes, I do. That were part of an exhibit Mm -hmm. at St. Ed's University that year. And he, because he was, because he was good friends with her. And he was also um, a student at St. Ed's, so she told him that her stuff was in the exhibit. So he went, and he was, and he was like, oh, "I've seen your tits," and I'm like, "That's right, you have," because he was the only other person at Mervyn's who knew about that. So because even though she really wanted to tell everyone my photos were there, I'm like, "Well, you can't now." <laughs> Oh, I remember Because that. now my boobs are in the exhibit, so you can't tell everybody. <laughs> yeah, don't you don't you don't ever want everyone at your workplace to have seen the 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 naked pictures of you at a at Oh, a yeah, but they were artistic, you know. They were. They were very artistic nudes. Well, I remember when I was when I was an extra in that porno, with uh, what? With Patrick and Lisa. I'm gonna pretend like I know what you're talking about. I mean, I know. That- okay, they. I I was not. I was. I was. I, I did not take my clothes off. I was, I was an say, actor. Were you the guy delivering pizza or something? No, I was an actor, and the the thing was, it was like me, and some other guy that I hadn't met before okay. we were by the pool at where we used to live and we oh were god, obviously they filmed a porn at, at yeah. around that pool and we were a gay couple okay and really flamboyant and lisa and this other woman uh-huh were there talking about how hot they thought i was okay and then you she know, and, and that woman started and i was something? like oh honey you know blah 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 we know you can't because this is my love. You know, whatever the right. fuck it was. It was just real campy over the top. And that was my only... And then what the what the premise was, I made them so hot and bothered that they had to go into one of the apartments and have lesbian sex because I made them so hot and bothered they couldn't have me. <laughs> <laughs> and that was so funny. And I remember... I had this friend when I used to work at the library at UT named David, and I was just telling David about this. And he was, you know, gay and into leather. And, I mean, he was just, you know, like totally would be amused by this. Right. And my boss, this woman who was my boss, who was like, you know, 20 years older than me and very nice, but, you know, kind of conservative church going. She was just listening and she was like, she was like, oh, that's so interesting. I wish that I could have done something like that. You know, and she was like, I mean, I wouldn't have been in, like, you know, one of those things. But I think that's so interesting and how fun. Oh, my (laughs) God. And I got such a kick out of that. Oh, my God. God, I used to work. I used to work. So you never know if people at work knew that you took artistic 
nude photos, they may think it's fabulous. They may not want to see him, but they think it was fabulous. Well, no, right? but see, but the difference, <laughs> the difference was, it's not that I saw, it's not that they would have known that I took them. It's that if she said, hey, my, my work is on display right now at St. Ed's, like, I'm really proud of my work. Everyone come see my work. That's different. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. hey, everyone come see Amelia's tits. Yeah, yeah. You know, if she was just showing off her photographs, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But, you know, I used to work, when I first started working for the government, uh, I worked with this older woman whose husband used to be like a like a golf pro guy. Like, you know, she and her husband used to golf with the Giffords, like back when they used to manage a golf course up in, like, Connecticut or something. And um, she found me fascinating. And every week, you know, every, every Monday when we would come in, there was, like, this large group of us that would have lunch together. And she always wanted to hear my stories of when I went out for the weekend and when, you know, oh. what club did I go to? And, you know, she, espe- you know, it's like, you know, especially if I had some kind of story of, you know, picking up some yeah. guy and, you know, what kind you know, of weird. Back when our lives were interesting. What kind of, what kind of, what kind of freak did I bang and have yeah. disappointing sex with or whatever? You know, she loved that shit. Oh, oh! Rest in peace, Dot. Yeah. You were our lives used to be exciting. Well, you know, but alas, not alas. anymore. Your life is mildly more exciting than mine. I think. I don't know. Oh yeah. <laughs> of Catholicism in our house, if you knew what you were looking for, like the dried-up palm leaves from last Palm Sunday tucked behind that little praying hands plaque that stay there till next Ash Wednesday, or until it's Palm Sunday again and Mom just threw them away because who was going to know? But it wasn't like you see in some movies and TV shows where there are like pictures of the Pope or Jesus all over the place and little statues of saints everywhere. But there was always this one painting of a saint that I grew up with in my house, prominently displayed, and it had nothing to do with us being Catholic. It was because of my dad's job. I grew up staring at a saint in a long pink dress with a dark, scary sky and lightning and cannons behind her because of the honorable order of St. Barbara. So, Miss Barbara's story starts out like pretty much all the early martyrs. She was the beautiful daughter of some noble Roman who didn't want anyone to touch her. Plus, also, he was nervous about her getting in with a bad crowd and being influenced by all those hot Christian bad boys, because you know how they be at that age. And since he's rich and extra as fuck, 
He has this big tower built to imprison her in for the rest of her damn life. And he had this fancy bathhouse put in there, and the blueprints had only two windows in it. But while he wasn't looking, Barbara talked the builders into putting a third window in, which is like her secretly representing the Holy Trinity. Which is like, okay, Babs, you rebel, you. And her dad saw that third window and was pissed. And he's all, why did you do that? And she's all, I'm a Christian. And he's all, not under my roof. And she's all, you're not the boss of me. And he dragged her down to the prefect who ordered her death. So her dad took her up a mountain and tortured her and chopped off her head. And as he went back down the mountain, he got struck by lightning so bad it fucking cremated him. And all that was left was his sword. And because of that badass business, she's the patron saint of anyone who's in danger of blowing shit up, like miners and tunnelers who use explosives, and chemical engineers and firemen, and the reason why the painting was in my house, field artillery. Which, for those of you who weren't raised around military shit, that's people whose job is to fire big cannons and missiles and lose most of their hearing at a young age. In other words, my father. And the place where I was born literally has a big bronze statue of St. Barbara, because I was born on an army base known for its massive artillery training school. And something that I swear is true, but it's kind of hard to verify because search engines insist on ignoring what I actually type, the single word Santa Barbara in Italian is, I'm pretty sure, the part of a warship that's used to store gunpowder and munitions. But long before I really knew anything about who St. Barbara was, apart from just the glowing lady in the creepy painting, I had this curiosity about her and her iconography because a lot of those paintings of St. Barbara you see out there, if you just removed her from the image, what you have left looks a hell of a lot like the major arcana card, the tower, from pretty much any standard tarot deck. I'm not saying it's exact, but it is a dark, scary card with a big stone tower and lightning and chaos, and when you don't have that calm woman standing in front of it all, it's pretty threatening. And I just want to say something important about her story, and a lot of these martyrs who were young women whose fathers were assholes who murdered them. Now, I didn't go into all the flowery details of her legend because it's all silly anyway. Because the people who tell these stories don't even realize they're describing a woman who simply wants to live her own life and her father wants total control over her forever. And she is literally looking out at the world from the high vantage point of the tower he stuck her in. And now she sees even more of the world and how lovely it is. And she really wants to be a part of it and let more light in. And the big bad man has to stomp his tiny feet and throw a tantrum. And instead of seeing that for what it is, they go, it's all about Jesus. And she died because Jesus. And isn't that great? And we're supposed to think it's neat. And forget all that stuff about which God she does or doesn't believe in. Because you know what? The New Testament Christian God isn't supposed to smite bad guys with lightning anyway. That's some Jupiter shit right there. 
she was supposedly rejecting paganism while wanting to know more about the natural world she was watching out her window, and the pagan gods punished her murderer by vaporizing his ass. Go fucking figure. Anyway, St. Barbara was supposedly killed on December 4th, and that's her feast day, and that's the weekend this episode comes out. So, everyone, get blasted however you please. I do. I heard these stories um, when I was thinking about the aesthetic thing. I remembered this thing and I cannot remember who the fuck it was. But I always thought it was funny. And I, 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 well, my first thought was I must have sent it to you, Pitney. I must have sent it to you at some point. Uh-huh. So I'm looking through texts and I'm looking through emails and apparently I never sent it to you. Because yeah. I was trying to remember who it was. But it was like some actress or something. I don't think it was MTV Cribs or I don't know what it was, but apparently she's like on TV having to be like, oh, and here I am in my kitchen. And there's like this big bowl of limes on the counter. (laughs) Of course there is. And she's like really awkward and uncomfortable. And she just, and it's someone, it's not Jennifer Lawrence, but it's someone with that sort of vibe, that sort of, uh-huh. oh, fuck this business, I don't understand yeah. why these limes are here kind of vibe. <laughs> and she, like, she just sees the limes and she doesn't know what to say. And so she just, like, picks up a lime and she's like, you know, I just, just sometimes I just stand in my kitchen with my limes <laughs> because I just, you know, love limes. Because she just doesn't understand why there's a big bowl of because limes on her it's counter. stupid. Nobody but she's like, needs a bowl of limes. Like, she can't stop referencing the limes because it's so fake that there's a big bowl of limes on her counter. And she's acknowledging that, And right? she can't stop acknowledging the, the stupid limes. Oh, that's And fabulous. she's being really like, why the fuck are there limes here? <laughs> and I loved it. Like, whoever that was... If someone, oh my God, if one of our listeners knows who that was, please tell me because I couldn't find it. I was searching the internet, trying to go like, who the fuck was it? Who, who wouldn't stop talking about the line? You know, when her apprentice, you know, her, her, like her stylist, her house stylist stylist was probably very offended that, But my God, but what was so funny though was when I was searching the internet looking for the limes, I actually found another example of this kind of thing. Oh, and, it, and it's another actress, and there's no point in me saying who it is because the name didn't ring a bell with me. Yeah, so you wouldn't know, know who it is. I sure either. as fuck won't. And who apparently it is. <laughs> I didn't write it down because, because it didn't ring a bell. And I'm sure other people probably know who she is. But I I didn't write it down. Yeah. So she apparently, she and her husband had just moved into a house. Like they had just gotten this house and they had just, like they'd only lived in the house for a couple months. And Architectural Digest was coming to do like an oh. online thing, like a visit. And she was so stressed that Architectural Digest was coming. And their living room... <laughs> had like this wall of built-in shelves and she was so freaked out that they had nothing. 
Uh-huh. The, they they had moved into a larger house and they didn't have enough shit for this house. And this and the living room was totally like one of the nicest rooms in the house. Yeah. There was no way Architectural Digest wasn't going to photograph the living room. Yeah. Well, they go shopping. Well, that's she says, "Okay, <laughs> Architectural Digest is going to be here in like 3 days." And she tells her husband, "Go to like a thrift store or something, buy like 400 books." Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he tried to argue with her, like, but aren't we like normal people, though? And shouldn't we just buy books over time like normal people? And she's just like yelling at him, like, normal people do not have Architectural Digest coming in a couple of days. (laughs) That's true. Like, they're going to be here on Friday to do a fucking photo shoot and... And, and and but the thing is that when Architectural Digest is there and they're filming in her living room, she's literally standing in front of these shelves of books telling that story. And I'm like Oh, that's I, fabulous. I love her. Whoever the fuck she is, I love her. So it's like, yes, the room is beautiful. She did a great job of putting all these books on the shelves and making it look nice. But she's also totally admitting, I don't, I've never fucking read these books. I don't know these books. These books still smell like the store that my husband bought them in, you know. That's and I, fabulous. And I fucking respect that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's all so stupid. She wouldn't have done it. She absolutely would not have done it if they weren't coming to photograph her in her fucking house. But because if she just moved into that house, she would have been like, you know what? This house is great. What a great house to grow into. You know, you know, I just bought this house for the windows. I didn't buy it for the fucking shelves. We'll we'll put stuff in this over time. Oh, yeah, God, I'd fill the shelves with video game and kiss memorabilia and a bunch of science fiction novels, but that's me. Right. But it would take time. And, like, this house, you know, we went from, you know, a tiny little 2-1 that we were crammed mm-hmm. into to a four-bedroom, three-bathroom, two-story house. Yep. With, you know, and my whole plan was that that first floor was not going to be crammed full of stuff. And it's like, and we're only just now starting to be like, all right, we need to come up with a way to actually utilize the space on the first floor. Yeah. Because we basically only use the back corner of the first floor. Like, we don't even use... Like oh, that's true. Yeah, you like your TV area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your yeah, TV we only area, use like the, the kitchen and, and the, the TV room area. Space behind it. Yeah, it's like we put the Christmas tree in the front corner, but we don't sit in there. Like we don't, you know. We're trying to figure out a way to kind of rearrange and not just have the front the front of the house be for show. You yeah, know? yeah. I'm trying really hard to not be. To not be my parents. Because oh, I with think, the formal, and, you know with what? the formal. I remember that your parents they had the, they had the big family room, but then they had the living room that nobody ever went into with yeah. the piano. Yeah, I remember. Every house that I remember growing up. Well, not every house, but like not not like the base housing and stuff that we lived in, but like from the time from the time I was six. Like, the last, like, three houses we lived in, 
um, had a formal living room in the front of the yeah, house. That, yeah. And then yeah. the the family room at the back of the room that actually had a TV in it. Yeah. That's the room we actually lived in. And the formal living room was for show. Yeah. And it had I, the couch yeah. no one ever sat on. Not yeah. with like plastic covers on it or anything. We weren't like that. Because we didn't want to give the impression that we were like that. Yeah. We wanted people to think that we used it, but we never did. Yeah, um, but I remember, yeah, my Auntie Mary had, you know, they had the family room with the yeah. TV where we all walked, where we all hung out when we went over there in the dining room. But yeah, there was the living room and it did have the plastic covers on the furniture. Oh, yeah. I can't stand, yeah, plastic covers. Is, but other than that, all of my big family... All of my other aunts and uncles, my cousins, everybody, me too, we never had houses that were big enough. Yeah. That none of us ever had formal living rooms. So it was like the living room, that was it. We didn't have no dens or family rooms. Yeah. My you parents, know. it was a, it was a like, it was a goal. Like it was like once my dad got a high enough rank that he could afford it. Oh yeah. Um, it was like, that was the kind of house they wanted. And, we, and they basically, that was like, that was the kind of house we were always going to have. Yeah. Yeah. I told Yeah. And of course. it, and you know, it's, and I think I, I really, I, it is just occurring to me now that that is probably why I react so strongly to the concept of having an aesthetic Instead of having a personality. Yeah. Like, you should... That you shouldn't be trying to acquire an aesthetic. You should just be who you are and let your stuff just reflect you organically. Because your aesthetic... You can't can't purchase who you are. Yeah, your aesthetic should reflect who you are. And you should... Not... You should acquire it over time. Not... Yeah. Yeah. Your your personality and who you are is something that you do acquire over yeah. time. We are not born with who we are. You know, we all acquire our idiosyncrasies and our stuff. I mean, the core of who we are is in there, but our personal style and whatever is just the things that is based on where we are and who we hang out with oh, and yeah. things that happen to us. And you can't fucking buy that in a store. No. And I've gotten, you know, as I've gotten older, nothing pisses me off than when people talk about goddamn style or it's design. Like, yeah. I hate when they talk about design. Or, I hate that shit. I always kind of have. I mean, there are... Because I've always just liked what I've liked. Well, every... I mean, but the thing about... I mean, the thing about design is that... I mean, art and design... I mean, there are, there are like, basic rules of design and how design works and whatever. But it still is supposed to be what appeals to you and what oh, you like. Yeah. Which is why... When when someone gives up and says, here, you decorate my house. It's like, I don't understand that at all. Like, I can understand 
I need help. I know, because how could you ever be comfortable like, oh, I really hate this lamp, but the designer liked it, so it must be great. Right. Yeah. Like, I can understand I, I'm i looking for ideas, mm-hmm. and, I need, and I need someone to help me with ideas, but I don't understand... I saw a picture in a magazine, and I'm going to replicate yeah. that entire yeah, room in like my house. People could suggest stuff that you've never seen before that you realize you really like, and that's cool. Right. You like know. if Yeah, if, like, if, you've, if you've never seen something, but you see it now, and you go, oh my god, that speaks to me. Yeah. Like, there are, like, um, you know, remember Tom Felicia, who was on the original Queer Eye? Yeah, he was, he was yeah, the designer guy, yeah. the, house, the interior designer guy. When he had his own, like, interior design show, his his way of getting to know the person was like, oh, I I loved it so much. I, he was just such a cutie, and I adored him. But he would like have the person, like, go into their closet and pull out like their favorite clothes. Like, what are your favorite things? Like, if you can. Oh. Oh, Grab see, your favorite cool. outfits. Like, which are your favorite pair of shoes? Which are your which is the the outfit that you're most comfortable in? Which do you think you look the best in? Like, which what all your favorite stuff? Like, what's the favorite? You know, the favorite thing in this room that makes you the happiest. And so he could see like what your style is yeah. based on how you dress. Now, was he respectful? I don't remember. Oh, totally. Was he respectful oh, my God. of people's? He would build, he would basically look at what they already had and he would take their color palette and their entire sense of design. He would not force anything on them that he wasn't already seeing in their house and their belongings. See, that's cool. And that's real. That's a designer because that's, or that's a, an artist, and he puts his own shit aside to go right. with the client. And, like, walking through a store, he would walk through, say, like, a furnishing store and just say, we're just going to walk through here and, like, you don't you don't worry about price. You don't worry, like, I'm not necessarily buying the things you're pointing at. Like, you, you just, just tell, Yeah, tell me what you like. You just say, if you see something that's, that you go, oh, wow, that's pretty, ooh, I like that, just point at things see that's awesome and you know i just i just need to get to know what you think is cool and what you would like what textures do you like like what what texture would you like your couch to like what do you want to feel when you sit down like what do you see that's awesome and it's like i think a lot of people are so People need to stop worrying about what other people think and start worrying about what do they like and stop. Yes. And and the thing is because authenticity is what the right people are going to respond to. Yeah. It's like stop. I oh my god, I saw something this morning. Oh my god, let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. I I want to read it because I want to say it exactly right. When you stop chasing the wrong things, you give the right things a chance to catch you. So if you stop chasing a fucking aesthetic, like chasing some bullshit idea of what people think is cool and just start being what you like and who you are and just 
surround yourself with the things that you legitimately love and the things that make you smile and the things that physically feel good to you. Then the people who also like that stuff will find you. Yeah. My my God. God. I mean, what could you possibly want more than that? I just came up with something fun that we're going to do. Ooh, what? Okay, so let's fantasize that we're on a show with him. Tom We just bought, yes. And we just bought a huge new house. Well, your house is already huge. But anyway, we're fantasizing, right? We just bought a house house down the street from my house. A huge new house that we're redecorating, and he's going to help us. Let's, from our clothing, our stuff, five things that you love the best that, like, things that you love the best that he could create your aesthetic from. And while you're thinking about it, I'm going to, I'm going to go away and I'm going to take the dog out to pee. I think that's a really um, good idea, but, so I think yeah. we are, but I think we should do, we should do that. I think that would be a good idea for maybe like a video live stream so that we can show people. Oh, let's do that. Oh yeah. Let's do that because that'll be, um, that'll future, be fun. That will be a future video yeah, live I, stream. I just thought about it and I was like, I think it's a great idea. That would be cool. Let's do it. And, and, uh, I will, I will start working right now on getting Tom Felicia to come on it. Oh my God. Yeah. Because, you know, and he could be like... He, he's not busy. And he could be like, okay, here's my five things. What would you do? He might have fun. Do you think uh, he'd do you it? Know, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I can get Tom Felicia. I mean, what what the hell is he doing right now? Nothing. That's probably not true. Hey, but he might do it just because. We're fabulous. Why wouldn't he want to <laughs> hang out with us for anything? Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our show, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. If you send us a screenshot of your review, we'll send you a Bitchin' Boutique sticker. Everyone Everyone loves loves stickers! Please subscribe or add us to your favorites wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribers get new episodes first and are also more attractive. Drop us a line anytime at pitneyandamelia at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, let's do that. Next episode, let's do that. Or no, let, no, let's do a video. Let's do a video. We will. We totally Oh, will. I'm excited. Let's do it soon. Although I'm so busy, I don't know when I have time, but we'll we'll figure it out. God damn it. Oh my god. I know, right? God damn it. My god life damn it. is anyway, right. yeah. Anyway, yay. <laughs>